0: joining us today for frost and sullivan's latest webinar today's event is titled the future of work growth opportunities and trends my name is anna and i receive frost and sullivan's growth innovation and leadership briefings before we begin i'd like to go over a few quick notes we will have some detailed slides on this presentation so there's a full screen feature available in the lower right hand corner of your webinar player You can safely share this briefing at any time via social media, email, or blogs. Today's discussion will also be available on demand shortly after we finished. And don't forget to submit your questions throughout the session today. Our presenter is rob arnold principal analyst here with our digital transformation practice he is a connected work expert and rob has over 16 years of enterprise communications industry research and consulting experience as well as the competitive and market intelligence trends forecasting analysis and uh, strategy development and growth consulting. In addition, Rob has extensive hands-on solutions, usage and evaluation. You can follow Rob on his Twitter or also on LinkedIn. With that, I would now like to hand the presentation over to Rob.
1: Thank you, Anna. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us today. If we can move to the agenda slide, Thank you. I just wanted to uh, quickly uh, provide a little bit more detail. Obviously, we're here to talk about the future of work, uh, and that entails both looking at the workplace and the workforce. And uh, we'll be looking at some key enabling technologies uh, to watch in the future and how that is going to impact uh, the future of work. Finally, I'll uh, wrap up with some action items that you can take to uh, help to prepare for these shifts in the future. And uh, hopefully we'll finish off with an interactive Q&A session. So if you do have questions, uh, please go ahead and submit those using your um, webinar portal here. Uh, you can do that anytime during the webcast. Um, it, to that uh, end, I am um, a uh, unified communications and collaboration analyst. So much of my uh, track here will be skewed to that angle. Um, As you know, a market researcher or analyst needs to have a great deal of depth in the core and uh, a lot of knowledge around everything that touches that core. So if I misspeak or you disagree with anything that I say, or if you'd like to know more about anything I say, please just uh, pop a question or leave some feedback and we'll make sure that we continue that conversation so anna let's uh let's go ahead and begin. Great, so I wanted to set the table to talk about how we work today, and I think most of us can you know recognize this as being true um, when I speak about workers here, um, the intent here is to really talk about white collar the the knowledge worker, the information worker um, the uh, nature of those jobs is largely um, sedentary. Our, our work is static, and our workplace is static. Um, we sit for long periods of time, and that would be programmers, and inside sales, and executives, clerical workers, people in finance and legal, etc. The associated health implications weigh heavily on the work balance, work-life balance discussion. Uh, we also have long commutes that leads to a lot of wasted time and stress and environmental pollution. Uh the US Census Bureau says that Americans spend about four and a half hours per week commuting. Now uh that's about the um uh, just above the uh the, the median um internationally within industrialized countries. We have a lot of latencies in our processes. We spend a lot of time sitting around waiting for information to come back to us. And That is because there's a lack of automation and integration of our technology platforms as well as the uh the people factor, which I'm going to kind of refrain from here uh, but we also have the inability to access meaningful data and information in real time it's not very holistically uh, deployed yet, even though that capability is available um, and finally, workers spend as much as 20% or more uh, of their time searching for information, and this is according to multiple sources. Between our hard drives, corporate drives, email, cloud file storage, each of us has a varying mess of unconnected filing cabinets. And workers are filling that void <clears throat> uh, by multitasking. That time that they would be sent, uh, spend sitting around or waiting a few minutes Um, they're jumping into other unrelated tasks. And research shows that individuals spend an average of just over a a minute uh, on a task before being interrupted, so you've barely gotten started. Then it takes an average of 25 minutes to resume that initial task, and overall it takes 50% longer to accomplish a a single task, while our potential error rates increase by 50% due to multitasking. Many of us have what we call tool fatigue, and that means that we have too many tools, too many choices, and too much overlapping functionality that leads to some serious inefficiencies. Uh, As I mentioned, checking multiple sources uh, for information, logging in, logging out, and that also leads to more distraction as well. And finally, most of us probably listening to this call have better tools at home than we do at work. We have more opportunity to personalize those according to our needs and preferences. And we have more consistent access to applications across those devices. If you think about how you've set up your home computer and your tablet and your laptop, you have the same application, the same login, the same information will be there no matter what device uh, you log into and where you left off from the last time so let's take a look at what uh this actually means in in the workplace. Oh, I forgot Anna. We put this here.
0: Yes, Rob. I have just uh pushed out our full, our first poll question to our audience. So, uh we'll give everyone a, a minute to uh select their answer. But the poll question is are your current technology providers helping you to evolve your workforce and workspaces as needed? Uh, is it yes or no? So uh, we'll reveal the results in just a moment here.
1: Yeah, and the purpose of this question is basically, you know, we can't go at this alone. It's always important to understand what the, the experts are saying. And even those experts can't be working in a vacuum. So it's really important to make sure that everyone's working together uh, to understand all the options that are available and understand best practices from people that have gone before and set examples for those who are coming after us.
0: Okay, Rob. Looks like we have a split. Well, actually. No, let me, our results are still coming in, so let me go ahead and uh, stop that here. Okay, so it looks like this is what we have right now. We have 57% of our audience indicate yes, and uh, 44% of our audience indicate no. And actually, it's 55% of our audience indicate yes.
1: That's interesting, that's, that's almost down the middle. And I would imagine a lot of those yeses are due to specific pain points that are being addressed rather than uh, looking further out to the future or looking to the left and right of those specific pain points. But that is good news uh, whatsoever. However, it's not good news that 44% say that um, they're not evolving uh, with the help that they need. So let's, let's talk about some of these things. So the changing workplace, Um, the future work will move away from traditional top-down hierarchy of of information flow to more of a flat structure where employees and managers and others in the organizations will be involved with collective decision-making. And that means, as we have already seen today, line of business leadership and top performers are going to be even more influential going forward. However, the majority of the teams under these people continue to work in silos. Essentially, they want to finish their products or services, finish their task, and pitch the work over the fence to the next group with little ramification of what happens in that chain of custody. Um, Also, what we're seeing here is that um, in the physical workspace, there's a lot of debate around... Um, the open office concept versus uh, traditional office configurations. Now, the move uh, for most research is that there's a, a large a trend toward the open office that's meant to combat the high cost of real estate and decrease the number of workstation IT needs to support and to address the job roles that require less time at workstations, but also to make the office a more compelling place to spend time. I mean, let's face it, you don't want to bring a customer or a employee recruit through an office where there's nobody there. But in general, the overall trend is to create spaces that foster collaboration and interaction uh, among workers. What we're finding is that truly o- open physical spaces, if you think about a large, you know, warehouse with no walls in it and just, you know, desks and lounges and, and things in between with uh, no separation, that doesn't always work. Um, there's a high potential for worker distraction there. People spend a lot more time pretending to work so that people don't talk to them <laughs> um, out of experience, I know this. And But there's also a continued need for privacy. So what we're seeing is hybrid designs are growing in popularity. And these feature, you know, some sec- sectioned-off areas that offer uh, opportunities for privacy to concentrate alone or in groups, but it still has those open spaces in that flow that uh, deliver the benefits of a true open office design. And uh, in the past, we've measured workers and technology and processes and physical space performance with discrete tools, and many of us still do that. And we've bandaged those metrics together uh, to look at these as more or less of a complete data set. And there's a lot of uh, error built into that and a lot of assumption. But analytics are changing the game uh, what we can do with the information. And finally, everything as a service. I'm sure we've all heard of that. It says X as a service here. Um, It's redefining our approach to almost everything, including how, when, and where work is done. So I wanted to look at this also from an employee perspective, Um, but first, Ana, we we need to ask our last poll question.
0: Yes, I just uh, pushed out our last poll question, and so we'll give everyone a minute to uh, select their answer. But the poll question is, how long before your current workplace is obsolete? Is it already is, three to five years, ten years? or we continue to evolve so it won't be.
1: And here we're not really talking just about the paint on the walls or the aesthetics. We're talking about addressing some of those things we just discussed on that next, uh, previous slide. What's the layout? Is it, is it collaborative? Is it uh, equipped with the technology that your people need to work alone or together? Are people connected to their space, to their technology, and to each other? And how are we doing?
0: Two more minutes here. I'm sorry, two more seconds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've stopped the uh, the uh, poll question. And these are the results here. It looks like uh, 14% indicate. Actually, the numbers are changing again. Okay, here we go. It looks like 25% indicate it already is. 50% indicate three to five years, and 25% indicate we continue to evolve, so it won't be.
1: Interesting. So it sounds like people are, are relatively on top of it. Um, and our research showed that you know a refresh should take place every um, three to five years. Uh, a lot of that is in line with your technology cycles. So it's important as you go through this uh, refresh process to think about how the technology fits in the, into the environment and the environment fits that technology, things like your meeting rooms and and um, the ergonomic set up of it so that people can stand while they work or they can change positions uh, and work from different spaces within the office uh, for a fresh uh, view on and perspective on what they 're immersed in so let's uh, let 's take another look here at. The other part of this equation, which is the workforce, the evolving worker, not many of us work like our parents did, and honestly, not many of our kids will work like we do today. Uh, each generation has a different mindset based upon the expectations of the technology that's available to them at the time. Now, okay, I have to, I have to talk about millennials, and I can envision the eyes rolling, but Millennials currently are the largest generation in the U.S. labor force, and they're going to comprise more than 75% of the workforce by 2025. Now, they have the most spending power of any generation, which means that they, they will be the ones to create the environments that they perceive as most conducive to achieving a balance of company and personal success. This generation of workers believes that teams accomplish more and better things. They believe that training, development, and flexible work are the top job benefits that they can uh, obtain from their employer. And about 89% of them prefer to choose when and where they work. Now, think about that. That ties very specifically into that um, evolving workplace that we talked about. But it also ties specifically into a lot of the enabling technologies that will connect us to our applications and to our colleagues and to our um, workspaces. But it's safe to say that each generation wants to do more than their predecessors. Today's workers, though, they're frustrated and unsatisfied when they're not matched with the appropriate technology to be productive. One Frost and Sullivan survey from a couple of years ago, I think it was maybe two or three years ago now, but it's still very relevant, says that 80% of employees uh, admitted in a survey that they are using non-approved software as a service or SaaS applications for their jobs. 80%. That's incredible. And at the same time, our research shows that IT thinks they're provisioning the correct tools for their workers. So where is this heading? Well, we did another survey uh, in mid-2018, June I think it was, in the U.S. of 400, I think 400 and some change, um, IT decision makers and business leaders. And we asked about their perceptions of cloud. And 75% of them said that their cloud strategy enables IT to be a service broker to the business. And that's really key to addressing that problem with the, uh, the shadow IT or consumerization that's happening within their business. It removes the inertia, um, it, it accelerates the inertia of IT's enablement to service the business and the workers rather than be a break-fix organization. 75% of them also said that cloud is the most critical sp- part of their digital transformation strategy. Again, that agility. Uh, and freeing up resources and finally uh, 82 percent so better than 8 out of 10 said that cloud strategy is essential uh, for them to remain competitive in their industry pretty uh, pretty interesting stuff so that's the perception of cloud so what about the other elephants in the room like automation let's look at that IoT, AI, and automation will make routine tasks more efficient and accurate. We're already starting to see that. Um, But there's concern over job displacement, you know, with this capability and this technology. And that's similar to what happened with the Industrial Revolution and the post-World War production boom. Some people are calling this, you know, latest, um, latest trend, they're calling it, automation anxiety, which I can understand. However, a lot of research indicates that there are trends toward augmented or hybrid strategy, um, that businesses will automate some job tasks to complement and enhance employee strengths that machines don't have, such as um, complex decision-making, flexibility, and people skills. According to the World Economic Forum, uh, over 25% of businesses expect automation to actually lead to the creation of new jobs. Also, per that organization, uh, in 2018, an average of 71% of task hours across 12 industries are performed by humans. So we'll call it 7 out of 10 hours, compared to 30% by machines. But... By 2022, this average is expected to shift another 13% in favor of machines, making it more of a 50-50 split, which is really interesting. So we see how this needle is moving. One set of estimates indicates that 75 million jobs will be displaced by shifts in the division of human machine labor. Uh, but another 133 million new roles will be created. So it's it's actually going to create net new jobs, if you look at it from this perspective. The types of jobs that will be created in the next five years are those that are enhanced by the use of technology, like data analysts and data scientists, software and app developers, e-commerce and social media specialists. But then there's a whole another segment of jobs, uh, like we talked about before with the people skills, um, These will be jobs created in customer service, sales and marketing, training and development, and innovation management. But then you go back to yet a third segment of jobs that will be created is more directly uh, related to understanding and leveraging the latest emerging technology like um, AI and machine learning and big data specialists, process automation experts, information security analysts, user experience and human machine interaction designers, blockchain specialists, robotics engineers, those are all pretty technical jobs, but there's multiple different levels of technicality in the types of roles uh, that are expected to be created. As a result of the current and growing skills gap though, uh, it's expected that many businesses will seek more flexible work engagements, such as with contractors and freelancers, and they'll expand their use of remote staff. They'll get the talent, um, they'll hire the talent where they can find it. A few years ago, um, the company Intuit predicted that more than 40% of the American workforce or over 50 million people will be independent workers, such as the freelancers and contractors and temp employees. And that will be uh, just a few years from now. Uh, 50, 40% of Americans will be in that capacity. And the Federal Reserve recently reported that nearly a third of adults in the U.S. are already engaged in some form of independent work, either as a primary job or to supplement their other incomes. So what does all this mean to the future workspace? Well, it means new team constructs that will create much more dynamic team life cycles than we've had in the past comprised of people within and outside of the organization and for different periods of time. Perhaps the same worker will be used once, or perhaps the same worker will be used off and on over a course of years. The implications of this on connectivity to corporate databases and productivity applications, communications and collaboration tools, cybersecurity, and the physical workplace are enormous. But many of the same pillars of thought need to be employed across both physical and virtual workspaces. So let's shift to talk about what's happening now. We see vastly increased use of AI to surface and recommend resources uh, to users that is intended to reduce that time wasted searching. We're already seeing this in email and team spaces, contact centers, social platforms and more. This has already started, we need to embrace it because this is proving uh, to be something that will be embraced more fully uh, in more parts of our da- daily lives. The concept of a single pane of glass um, which is rather nascent at this point. Uh, it'll move from a, a concept to more of a commonplace reality through the ability to access a rich integrated ecosystem of information and communications solutions that limits that costly application switching that we talked about, um, which is basically multitasking and that, that dominates today's work styles. So the technology is moving forward to help address that. IOT, AI and analytics will be much more widely used to automate the the initiation of workflows and processes. We'll remove a lot of the latency and error that happens uh, with the manual processes that we have in place today. People will be doing more with their skills. We expect vast amounts of improvement in wired and wireless uh, connectivity across environments of all types and across the world. Uh, And that same connectivity combined with uh, wearables, IOT, will also automate and enhance the secure access to both physical and virtual spaces, devices and applications. For example, your desk, phone and computer will automatically lock down when you walk away and automatically log in when you come back within range. It has a lot of implications. Um, The power of quantum computing in the cloud will revolutionize analytics, cybersecurity, and many more things, as well as the ability to dynamically spin up virtual workloads anywhere, anytime, anywhere in the world uh, to address new team constructs Reduce reduce bandwidth requirements, uh, and other needs. This is what cloud was initially uh, envisioned to be. So in, in summary, the future of work largely involves the ability to rapidly form and tear down teams with users located anywhere, but still with access to a consistent set of integrated capabilities. Now, a lot of people roll their eyes when the topics of millennials and anywhere work come up. But both will be foundational uh, to the future of work. Let's talk about a couple of things to consider. And I realize this may be high level, but this could go in any direction and I needed to start somewhere um, with a limited amount of time as well. So please uh, bring us your feedback and questions. Support in terms of connectivity, automation, and security uh, should be both how end user organizations and their providers begin discussions around the future of work. We've pretty much established the current capabilities and we're expanding on the potential capabilities of cloud. But their education uh, needs to continue so that people can better envision the future. Because lightweight and um, heavyweight workloads will continue to be um, moved to the cloud. The workforce uh, and company leaders uh, need extensive learning in, on automation and analytics so that they can embrace these technologies rather than be threatened. And with that, the importance of continuous learning and training um, to reskill for changing job roles needs to be a prime uh, a primary priority, excuse me. Uh, analytics will be increasingly important. I think we all realize that, uh, especially as more things and people are connected. So we have to think more holistically than we do now uh, across a broader set of uh, data sources and the actionable info that can be arrived. I recently did a report on analytics in unified communications. And despite uh, a lot of provider uh, value propositions around analytics, we found that those are being uh, produced in silos. The network on one hand, the uh, app, uh, user-facing applications on another hand, and business performance and worker performance on another hand with very few organizations mapping all of those together to see what it really means. cybersecurity will continue to be characterized as a constant battle of pirates versus the business trying to keep them out. But every step of the way we need to fully utilize what's available in platforms, services, and product security. And we don't do a good job of that today. We're lazy about updating our passwords. We don't use single sign-on to reduce our work style inefficiencies. And we don't do a good job of follow-up on platform access control when those teams change, whether somebody leaves the company or the product, uh, project is completed. There's often a fear of what's next, but we know what's next. If they have not, end user organizations need to recognize the ability to transform on a daily basis. Because if your workforce and your workplace look the same in five years, let alone 10 or 15, it most likely means that you're gonna be left behind. And that doesn't speak well to the providers who are helping them. And that moves us to Q and I tried to be fast and I tried to make sure that uh, we left enough time for an interactive discussion.
0: Thank you, Rob. Yes, we're going to go ahead and start our uh, question and answer session. So I see that we have some questions come in. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, My question here reads, where do biometrics fit in?
1: Oh, (laughs) yeah, that's a good one. Um, You know, if you think about uh, a number of these technologies, um, they can typically fall within one or several broad categories, connectivity, um, cloud, and analytics. And biometrics actually falls within, most squarely within um, analytics because um, a lot of people don't realize that biometrics can be used for more than just security and access control. It can be used to analyze Sentiment of your customers. It can be used to recognize uh, to recognize your VIPs as they walk into your establishment. It can be used to uh, monitor dwell times at your point of sale to ensure people don't abandon their purchases. Um, so biometrics definitely has a big play in the future. Uh, it's already being established now, and it's best established within the um, law enforcement community of of different levels. But we certainly see that it's going to uh, play a bigger part in other industries as well, whether that's education or or retail or um, uh, manufacturing, for example, uh, to look at um, things like how injuries happen. So a a good question. um, Biometrics um, has a big, broad play, uh, and it's a very flexible technology that will play a bigger part in uh, the future of work.
0: Thank you. And uh, a lot of the information you presented is focused on North America. Mm. What are the global impl- implications?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, a good, um, that's a good question. As I mentioned, um, you know, this, this topic uh, for today's discussion could be extremely broad, and it still is, even though I tried to uh, rein it in. Um, the implications are global there are different um, transition rates in different industries and in different regions. Um, there will be different uh, rates of displacement due to aug- uh, automation in different regions as well as in different industries, uh, but it certainly does have uh, global implication. Um, for example, um, China and uh, some parts of Asia lead in various um, industry adoption of IOT, whereas North America, um, I think healthcare, for example, uh, leads in IOT in terms of uh, overall revenue and customer spending. So, it really depends on where you are, but these are things that everyone needs to uh, be prepared for.
0: Thank you. Our next question, this is good detail for large enterprises. What about smaller companies?
1: Good question. Um, Well, how small is small? Because I think that everyone can benefit from automation. Everyone can benefit from um, better security. Uh, Everyone can benefit from um, a smarter workplace. Uh, The cloud really lowers the barriers to um, access for some of these technologies as services. For example, analytics as a service. Um, So it it definitely has a play, Uh, it just depends on the complexity of the solution and the customization of the solution might uh, create different thresholds uh, for different size budgets to be able to um, take advantage of the technology at this time. In the future as things scale, uh, it's imaginable that prices will come down with volume. So it's pretty favorable that uh, any size business uh, can and should be taking advantage of these technologies.
0: Thank you. And uh, we have another question here. I'm a long-term remote worker, 12 years across three companies. What is the solution to remote teammates doing precisely what I'm doing now, typing this question instead of listening to you. While I prefer remote working to on-site, I can't deny attention spans suffer unless everyone is actively engaged. What are your thoughts?
1: Oh, uh, Well, I'm a remote worker as well. I can totally feel that, um, uh, that question. Um, you know, the use of video is, is important. Uh, especially for people who work remotely like myself, not just because I cover di- video and I use it every day, but to be able to see the people that you're working with, to be able to see that people are paying attention and that they're not multitasking. Um, I, I think that's a, a big part of the value proposition of video that people that don't use it on a regular basis don't understand. Often enough, we're using video conferencing just to use it because it's there, but it does have other benefits, whether soft or um, personal type of benefits that I spoke to. So um, I would try to go with a uh, a video platform to have calls. There's lots of excellent services out there that are feature rich and um, low risk and uh, affordable.
0: Thank you. And we have a couple more questions, and then we will uh, end the the session. Here's another one. I'm in IT marketing, and I'm currently searching for a new position. What stuns me is a number of cutting-edge IT firms, many of whom make their livelihoods from UC and Uh. other tools that facilitate remote working, who insist on on on-site working. These are cloud, AI, and other very current companies. Why do you think this is?
1: You know, um, there there seems to be a lot of different um, beliefs or uh, cultural variations on remote working versus on-site working. Um, there are obviously benefits to both and it's, it's my belief that there will be a cultural shift toward more remote working i think a lot of that has to do with uh, the generational change in leadership that can actually believe that people will be productive if not more productive uh, when they work from home rather than sitting in traffic and having water cooler time um i also believe that uh, remote working helps in a number of ways that <clears throat> people don't realize in that I barely ever use a sick day because I'm not gonna go in the office and contaminate all of my coworkers. Um, so therefore, there's a lot of time saved uh, just just under that uh, general idea. And I'm not sure if I hit that question. It seemed like it was multi-parts. Can you read the, uh, the second half of it again?
0: Sure, Rob. Um, actually, I think we went over this. Um, I'm a remote worker, twelve years across three companies. Oh, okay. It looks like that's this right. was a two part, but the other one came oh, in okay. first.
1: Oh, I didn't mm. see that. It's two, two parts. Okay. Uh, I'm going uh, These are cloud oh. oh, AI. Yeah. So, so I think really the the thing is that you should be able to access the t- same tools no matter where you're located. I mean, that's a big big piece of unified communications, and it's a big piece of cloud, so the, the marriage of those two, and AI can live anywhere, but uh, it's, it's most easily uh, developed as, as a cloud solution. So um, I think the combination there uh, really lends to the flexibility that people are looking for.
0: Very well, and we have one more question here. Uh, Can you talk about knowledge workers' attitudes towards AI and helping them get their jobs done? What are barriers to adoption?
1: Yeah. um, Honestly, as, as humans, we have an innate tendency to ask for help rather than doing for ourselves if we're sitting next to someone. Now, that could also be if I'm on instant messaging all day and I say, Anna, what's this? Where did I find that? Rather than looking for myself. Whereas AI will help me to find that information uh, in the context of what I'm working on. So it can make me more productive. It can make Anna um, more productive in that she's not as interrupted in her daily flow. Um, and therefore, you know, both of us produce better now part of the one of the barriers is security and privacy there is a I, I think it's a a valid concern about the whole big brother aspect of AI but at the same time if you 're working on a company machine and you 're supposed to be working there shouldn 't be anything in terms of privacy that you 're worried about um, if you 're working on something that is um, very sensitive, then your IT and security team should be addressing, um, you know, the protocol for AI in your environment.
0: Thank you, Rob, and I see we have no more questions, so this concludes today's webinar. I have posted some contact details for uh, Rob and our Corporate Communications Manager, so if there's any other additional questions or feedback, feel free to, uh, to contact them, and I would like to uh, thank everybody for their time today, and for those that have joined us uh, late, the on-demand recording will be available shortly, so you can listen to the, uh, the presentation from the beginning. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, everyone.